Hello and welcome to the Book of Leaves podcast. My name is Cara and I am your host. Hello and welcome back to Book of Leaves. This is a podcast where I interview people doing something good for the planet and the whole idea is we take a leaf from their book to add our own way of living. I am Cara, I am an actor by trade and this is just something that I do that is a big passion of mine. I've always kind of cared about the environment and I am delighted to be bringing you this episode which was a suggestion by a previous guest actually, J.R. Doyle, who came on before, who has a business called Kindly J.R., where she basically takes websites or can build new websites and designs them and makes them eco-friendly and have way less of an impact on the environment. So she's been on this podcast before and she actually suggested this guest, Jerry McGovern, who is like the godfather of digital waste, e-waste and how we can basically adapt our systems to have less of both of those things. You will learn everything you need to know. If you don't know what these um, terms are, if you haven't heard of them before, or maybe the only thing you can think of is, oh yeah, we just have to kind of delete emails and stuff as we go. I learned so much talking to Jerry. So hopefully you guys will as well. And thank you so much, Jayor, who recommended him. Uh, You can also listen to his podcast. He has a podcast called Worldwide Waste, which is a nice pun, and a book of the same name which you can check out as well and yeah we'll talk about him and his work and at the end he was giving me a couple of more tips so I'm just going to include those at the outro but yeah stay with me this is this is a powerful one so I hope you enjoy Well, thanks for inviting me, Cara, uh, on uh, the podcast. I've been involved in the web since the mid-90s, quite early on. And uh, was very focused on kind of the content side uh, uh, and keeping websites simple and clear and published a number of books over over the years. But really, I've had a kind of an inside track on the the growth of the web over the last uh, 20 or 30 years. That's amazing, like it but to be there for, since the nineties, like when it was being born, when it was rolling out across the world, like that's amazing. So you really do have a wealth of knowledge. I'm excited to get to know about that. And obviously now you you're working a lot around the kind of e waste side of things, which is quite environmentally linked. So was there a specific kind of time in your life moment where a standout person or documentary or any particular occasion inspired you to kind of be a bit more aware of the environmental aspect of things? Yeah, I think there were things happening in the background. A lot of the websites I'd work with, I'd noticed that a lot of the pages didn't really make any sense or they weren't very useful. So we, we'd end up in a lot of projects cleaning up maybe 80 to 90% of of uh, web pages. And I was always wondering, why do we create so much of this huge quantities of data and content that would get created that would have no useful purpose or that might have had a use, but now it was out of date and and it needed to be removed, but it didn't get removed. So I decided that I'd have a look. I didn't really expect to find a lot because I just had the assumption that digital was green. Uh, Mm. But, you know, that was a kind of the 
the trigger. It was in the back of my head, why are we creating so much waste in the digital space? But then, you know, the, the key trigger to do something was kind of the, the youth movements that started around, I don't know, 2016, 17, 18. Yeah, that, and they, I think, inspired so many people. Like, that's one of the reasons why I'm in the movement now as well. And so many other people I've talked to on the podcast are just friends of mine. So, okay, so that's great. So that led you into kind of looking at the environmental aspect of things. I guess to learn what you learned, can you explain what e-waste and data waste is? Okay, so... Digital is physical, which, you know, surprises a lot of people because we have all this cloud and everything like that. Well, the cloud is 70 million servers, probably 100 million servers at this at this stage. You're, when you say servers, that's a physical building existing somewhere or physical. Well, a ser- well there's, a data, there's a data center and then there's these essentially what are computers to store and process. And that's what's called a server. Uh, A server is a type of computer that generally doesn't have a screen, but it's a big box of a computer with an awful lot of storage and often a lot of processing power. Uh, So there's about 70 to 100 million of those in the world uh, at the moment. And each one of them will require hundreds of thousands of liters of water to manufacture. They'll create a couple of tons of waste in the manufacturing process, and they'll create somewhere between one and two ton of CO2 just to manufacture. So uh, digital products are incredibly uh, energy intense to manufacture and material intense. Your, your smartphone will have about 70 materials, modern smartphone. A smartphone 30 years ago had four materials. So digital digital products are very, very manufacturing intense. In other words, they create massive energy and waste during the manufacturing process. In fact, for a typical smartphone, 80% of its total waste has occurred before you've even bought it. Oh, my God. So it's very physical. It's a very, very physical environment. Yet we have the impression that it's ethereal and it's invisible, but it has a huge impact on mining and, and, and all sorts of negative aspects of the world. And it's getting much, much bigger. So you've got physical aspect of these devices that are hugely material uh, intense. They don't get recycled because they're deliberately designed so they can't be recycled. There's a tiny bit of recycling that occurs. So you got you got these physical things, but what is driving a lot of them is the data. You now have 8K images, so you need to get a new phone and because you, you need to store all your stuff. An 8K image uh, is about you know 40 times more megabytes than a 2K image. So the, it's these, just higher quality, so it needs more space and storage. Yeah, and we can't even see the difference in a in a, a a smartphone or a laptop. The eye can't see the difference between 2K and 8K. So it's all it's all this phony marketing, marketing. Yeah. to get people to buy these new devices that they don't really need, but they're incredibly damaging. They're incredibly energy intense, and a lot of it is is as I said is driven by this extraordinary growth in data that is occurring. And most of this data, 90% of data that is stored in a data center is not used ever again, 
90 days after it's first stored. So, so that kind of data, could that be, uh, are we talking anything like people's photographs being uploaded to their Google photographs, files on your everything? That's every, that, that photos uh, in the scale of impact. Uh, text is very, very light from a data point of view. Images is like 100 times heavier. Videos is like 10,000 times heavier. Uh, in, in the pros. So video is about 80% of internet traffic now. It's extremely energy intense. It's extremely heavy. But photos, we took about 1.4 to 1.5 trillion photos last year. Trillion, not, not billion, trillion. So we took more photos last year than the entire 20th century that <gasps> we're, we're taking. And the vast majority of them will never be looked at again. Wow, that's wild, isn't it? Because a lot of people have it set up on their phone that it's not internal storage, that it will go to, it'll be backed up. And if it's backed up, that cloud that we have, you know, thinking oh, it's in, you know, it's in the satellites somewhere. It's actually not. Like I said, it's it's been held by a server somewhere that's taken water, that's taken energy. So it's linking everything together. Um, oh my God, there's so much that I want to ask you about. To go back, why do... They make phones, laptops, these things that have over like 70 different types of materials in them now, mostly non-recyclable, because surely there's some incentive now to even, you know, have a bit of a circular economy and would it not save them some money if they could take back old parts and put them into, into new products? Like, or is it just not worth the effort? Yeah, it's basically greed. Big tech has become incredibly greedy. So you can make a lot more money if you sell an iPhone every two years than if you repair that iPhone and you keep it going for six years. You know, so there's just a lot more money to be made and you can concentrate well much better because if it's repair, you know, people don't want to be sending it, you know, and waiting for two or three weeks. Repair needs to be local. But if you're, if you're having local repair, you're not going to make as much money as big tech because it's going to be a local engineer, etc. So, Big tech can make an awful lot more money by selling new things. Mm. And to sell new things, it needs to create waste off the, out of the old things. And the less recyclable those things are, the more it forces you to buy new things. So there's, it's, you know, it's called planned obsolescence. It's been around a long time, but big tech have brought it to the ultimate perfect expression of, of waste. Basically, waste is a business model. People can make a lot of money out of making things into waste. Because if you, if you turn something into waste, uh, it means that the person needs to replace it. Mm. You know, if, if, if they want to keep the benefits of they got the features from the product. So they are being forced. I mean, there's a big movement now called the right to repair, yes. which is uh, taking off all over the world. But Apple absolutely hates this. And all the big companies, they've done everything they uh, can to destroy the right to repair movement because they're, they're greedy. We live in an era of intense greed, unfortunately. And this has right to repair gotten quite far or is it has it succeeded in any co- particular countries that it's we can look at for inspiration? Oh, a lot of. There's a lot of legislation. In fact, there's a, there's a movement among farmers in the United States that has uh, driven it very significantly because tractors today, I grew up on a farm. The tractors that they have today are essentially like computers. I mean, wow. they're, they're super, super expensive, millions of dollars. And they've got 
you know, very, very complicated electronics, but they've got so complicated that uh, they can't be repaired. So, or they have to wait for an engineer to fly out. So for farmers bringing in a crop, you know, the time is extremely critical. So if they yeah. have to wait for an engineer, you know, to come from Chicago or fly in, et cetera. So it makes it very difficult. So the farmers have been really pushing to allow more repairable tractors that they can get the source code, et cetera. But of course the companies, John Deere, et cetera, don't want to do it. But now mm. in, I think something like 28 states in the US, the attorney generals have all signed up to a right to repair, major right to repair legislation. It's the same as happening in the European Union. So things are really happening with right to repair. But again, it was not driven by brands or politicians. It was driven by grassroots community uh, movements. So, so stuff is happening that we can be hopeful about, but it is certainly not coming from the brands and often not coming from the politicians. Yeah, I mean, I remember when I used to be able to take the back off of my mobile phone and take the battery out so that, you know, if it got wet or something, that you take the battery out straight away. And now it's just, it's impossible. Unless you're putting your SIM card in, you can't get into your phone because of that thing. They don't want them repaired. Like, yeah, planned obsolescence is something that I know has been happening with a lot of products from toasters to everything but it's I just yeah I don't I guess a lot of people listening to this won't understand can't put themselves in the shoe in the shoes of that greed mindset that it's you know it's greed or the future of the planet like all of this waste is going somewhere so when this ends up in in landfill I mean there's just no breaking down you can't burn them they don't turn to ash like a lot of this gets dumped in poor countries Mm. so there's a huge unaccounted for market of basically dumping this stuff. Sometimes they'll send it over as second hand, but most of them aren't even working. That wow. they, so they send them to Pakistan or Ghana or Nigeria or countries like that. And then what will often happen is you can get a couple of materials back, like a, a tiny fraction of gold and a couple of other things, but they, they end up getting put in acid baths or burned with, with buns and burners. And it's really dangerous, super yeah. dangerous work. And of course, there's there's so many really nasty materials uh, in these uh, phones that uh, once they've got the gold out and they're dumped, they start toxifying the rivers, they start toxifying the land, they they create all sorts of hazards. I mean, the, the mm. quantity of e-waste, e-waste is the fastest growing waste stream in the world. And in a typical dump, it represents about 70 to 80% of the toxicity of that dump. So the, these these things that are in their rare earths, their forever chemicals, all, all sorts of horrible things that are going to be around for a thousand years. And of course, they get into the global water systems. They end up in the rain. Even the rain on the Antarctic contains forever chemicals, which wow. came from, you know, laptops or, or other products 15 years before, etc. in the process. So we're beginning to get this a kind of critical mass of pollution that is spreading through different aspects of of the atmosphere and water systems and soil systems 
uh, because of the way we've been living, basically, the, the, the wasteful lifestyles, you know, we've all unfortunately participated in because we've been trained to do that because it's in the cloud, you know, just one little technical thing. It's about 3,000 times more energy intense to save something in the cloud than on your laptop because it's much more energy to send it up there. And then it'll usually get stored three or four or five times once it's in the cloud. So it's it's much better for the environment to store locally on your own laptop. In fact, it's 100 times better to delete. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Like yeah. in, in, put it in, in the, the recycle bin and empty your recycle bin no, exactly don't store but this is the way we've been trained mm. you know, there's a deliberate because this is how they make money out of us knowing us and, and of course it is dangerous it's a security risk i mean the, the more of you that's out there the more dangers you have to hackers or or bribery or blackmail or whatever so yeah. you know the less stuff you send into the cloud long term is it's it's much better in multiple different ways so it's more if people have a lot to store they should really be using hard dr- external hard drives maybe like and and a backup hard drive that's more exactly Exactly. effective yeah and we don't Unless... need to store we don't you, sure you can delete at least 90 percent, and you know you'll actually enjoy your photographs much more yeah, yeah the the e-waste thing like that's literally literally i i presume translated to like electrical electronic waste like the actual the i know it's all physical but what ends up in landfill and that and of course if it's going into poorer countries and then it, it pollutes poorer countries uh, and they're the same countries that people and often children are being exploited for in mines, which is another huge issue. Are there any groups that people can support that help basically child labour and, and mining conditions for electronic? The typical groups are involved from you know Greenpeace and Amnesty International. There is a specific group called Yes to Life, No to Mining that does a lot of uh, great work. But I think looking from an organizational point of view one of the best things you can actually do is look at how you purchase things so smartphone is um, a dutch company that has a phone that has eight separate components that can be easily replaced by anybody you know you can take the battery out you can change the screen Mm -hmm. you can change the usb port so there are certain uh, manufacturers that are beginning to develop modular electronics. So there are certain computers, a framework is is one of them, that's modular design. So if you are within an organization, you could look at uh, mandating longer warranties. So looking for computers that have five-year, six-year warranties instead of four-year warranties. Because the basic rule here is if you've got a device that has had an intense impact in its manufacturing, you want to stretch the life of that device as long as possible. Holding on to your device, getting it repaired, going to the effort of getting it uh, repaired in the process. And if you are, you don't want your device anymore, don't put it in the drawer. Get it out there because of the short lifespans. If you leave that for 12 months in a drawer, it's practically useless. But if you move it into the secondhand marketplace immediately after you've stopped using it, then somebody else can actually get some use out of that. So it's really essential that uh, we we really care about these materials because they've had a they've had a huge impact 
in their processes, that we use them as long as possible. We may make choices of products that are reusable. They're repairable, they're modular. So we ask these questions about, can I get this repaired? How modular is it? How, what, can I take this out? Can I take that out? And I think if enough of people start asking those sorts of questions uh, in the purchase process, then the brands, etc., will be forced to begin to design uh, mm. differently. But once we have an acquiescent uh, consumer base, we will never have change. The only change that's going to occur will be community-driven, starting movements for like the right to repair movement, becoming mm. part of the right to repair movement if you've got technical skills. We need movements here if we're going to get uh, real change occurring. Yeah, we need people to gather the individuals together or individuals to come together to be a community to press uh, companies and that absolutely like it's been the change over the decades like the consumer market shifts to the demand you see more plant-based alternatives in the supermarkets because of the rise on that and you'll see a lot of greenwashing now because it is absolutely a selling point so definitely and another another modular phone company to share as well is one called Fairphone you can replace everything if you if you drop it and that just the camera breaks you can take it apart yourself and the camera part is sent to you and these are the kind of companies that we should be supporting so i'll list everything that you mentioned all the charities and everything in the show notes that people can find so moving on to data centers because these have been taking up a lot of uh, space in the irish news and i guess across the world um recently you, you've told us that obviously the data centers house servers which which store 90 percent of uh useless crap and maybe 10 percent actually needed why have the data centers been so controversial in ireland can you can you share with us? Because data centres are a really, really, really terrible idea in a, in any local community, because they bring practically zero jobs. I was talking to somebody yesterday in uh, Sweden, and he was saying in in North Sweden they have this huge data centre uh, for Facebook. They promised a thousand jobs for the data centre. They got twenty two. So data centres are one of the worst employers in the process. Uh, and what they're doing now is the, the area that the, this uh, uh, Facebook data center in uh, has no more electricity left, so they can't have good companies come into the area because data centers have a massive demand for electricity. They have a massive demand for water. So they come into a local community, they give nothing and they take everything. They take huge quantities of water, they take huge quantities of electricity, and then they have these uh, so-called backup diesel generators that they use uh, a lot as well for peak demand, etc. So, the, And these so-called backups are, are in a lot of these data centers are constantly running. So you've got these big diesel servers polluting the locality, uh, taking all the local electricity so that if it's a choice between the data center getting the electricity and ordinary families in Clare, you, you know it'll be the data center that'll get the electricity mm -hmm. uh, first. And then they'll drain all the water. Lots of places in Ireland, despite all our rain, have stressed water uh, environments. A big data center can use about a million liters of water a day. So there's nothing good. There's nothing good about a data center from a local community. Yeah, they're great for Microsoft, uh, etc. But for a local community, they're the worst possible uh, idea next to having a gold mine in the locality. 
Wow. And oh my God, it just the fact that these things have been and can go ahead is just mind boggling. Is it right that they are choosing Ireland for these data centers because they're like in Sweden, they're choosing countries with a colder climate because it they ta- it takes a lot of the water and energy that they use is to keep the servers cold. Because obviously when people are using their laptops or computers, they can feel it warms up over time, especially if you haven't got the fan exposed. And obviously our laptops we can turn off but servers as far as i'm aware are on 24 7 so this yeah. big factory needs this constant supply of water and energy to cool down so that is that why they're targeting ireland and cold these colder well, countries it's, it's part of it certainly it certainly helps because they are as you say uh, extremely hot that's why they need lots of water and and other sort of cooling approaches unfortunately they are mainly targeting Ireland because Ireland is essentially a dump for big tech. Basically, we accept the things that other countries won't. Uh, there's no benefits to Ireland of data centres. I mean, I mean, it's such a stupid idea to say that you need to be close to the data. I mean, that's why we invented the web in the first place, so that you could be, you know, wherever you're living and your data could be, 10,000 miles away. So the idea that Ireland needs data centers for its engineers or, you know, its, its programming, that's, it's just greenwashing and, and propaganda. Mm. Basically, I think big tech has told Ireland that if we don't take our, the dirty data centers, they won't give them other jobs or, but there's certainly no, benefit. And, and if you look at the Irish government policy on data centres, it is so embarrassingly bad. I mean, even a, a PR company for data centres would not write a cringe-worthy uh, policy like the Irish government mm. has made. The Irish government seems to be captured, uh, unfortunately, by a kind of a neoliberal growth, growth, growth debt cult, yeah. uh, where it, it does everything it can to be as somebody said to me, the good buy at the big buys table. Yeah, the one with all of the the tech, the new progressive tech companies at their back. There's probably a lot of lobbying going on as well. And yeah, like we've seen the the kind of relationship they have with the likes of Meta and all these big companies just just coming in. To also acknowledge, like people are listening to this podcast via servers. A lot of stuff we use comes from these servers you know your instagram videos are cat memes and gifs or whatever there is an element of a lot of people that are pro data centers or not maybe educated or like well you're using facebook right now or whatever but the majority of what these data centers will store are actually not for ireland if at all like it's not for our five million people living here like you said no benefit to the local it's just we're literally being used as an energy they're like leeches coming in and taking our electricity and we've all been receiving those electricity bills and of course there's a recent news report to see that how much they have profited exxon mobile and everything like profiting billions while we're searching the couch for euros to try pay our energy bill so yeah is that a fact that like the data centers that will be built in ireland would not be for the data needed in Ireland by businesses or podcasters or YouTubers or whatever. Totally. I mean, 99.9% of the data is not Irish data. You know, it's the junk economy. Of course, we need data centers, but we don't need as many data centers as as we have uh, mm-hmm. right now. And it's it's based on, on junk and advertising industry, 
you know, driven models that force consumption. I mean, advertising is what runs digital. Facebook is an advertising company. Google is an advertising company. You know, all of these huge data centers, mm-hmm. most of them, their purpose is to use our data to drive more consumption. So we've got this kind of very negative looped economy. Overconsumption is why we have a climate crisis. Overconsumption is why we have a biodiversity crisis. Overconsumption is why we have a water crisis. I mean, we have multiple crises in the world at, mm-hmm. at, at the moment. And it is overconsumption. It's not fossil fuels. Fossil fuels is a symptom of our overconsuming lifestyles. We use too much materials. We buy too much stuff. We don't look after it. And the earth can't cope with this demand of modern society. And it's rich people. It's middle class and rich people. It's not poor people who are doing it. Data centers are this perfect reflection of the waste that we create, the 1.4 trillion photos, 99% of which we will never go back to. And each one of those photos will be stored three or four or five times uh, in the cloud for backup purposes. So we're doing all this damage to the planet just to create stuff we will never look at again. Yeah, it's really, really heartbreaking. Like it's, it's, you really struggle to get your head around it. I mean, it's great to hear because what you're saying is kind of arming me ahead of future debates I'm going to be having with people about this because it definitely comes up like and I know for listeners as well it's so topical because how how long has you know save the paper save the trees send an email instead like how long has that been drilled into us so obviously now our eyes are being opened to the alternatives hopefully and I can see it happening in my lovely imagined future where advertising like that is illegal like you just can't be pushing over consumption that it's if we're advertising anything it's repair shops and circular economy and that kind of thing well there's lots of stuff that can be done so if you get rid of 90 percent of data you're going to get roughly get rid of 90 percent of data centers Mm -hmm. so we're going to have a lot less data centers if we really embrace this model of setting limits it it may be that you know in future phones you can only take 10 photos a week you know in, in, in <laughs> pro, you know that there's certain limits uh, set and maybe we'll have a data tax coming in at some stage but like i store most of my data locally i only transfer up uh, into the cloud stuff that i need to work on with other people and then go through regular cleaning archiving if you store data on a hdd drive this is a little bit technical, but there's two drives. There's one called a HDD, which was the old style drive. And there's a new uh, drive called solid state drive. Well, a, st- a solid state drive uh, consumes twice the energy of an old drive. So it's faster, but it's much yeah. more energy intense. Whereas something like tape is like hundreds of times less energy intense. So if you've got data uh, that you think you're only going to maybe look at every couple of years or you need to go back, you'd store it in a tape storage environment. It's just thinking about these things. Video is like thousands of times more energy intense than an image. And an image is thousands of times more energy intense than text. Mm. The most environmentally way to communicate by far is a text message. If you wanted to really change your lifestyle from a data point of view, you'd send much more text messages than video messages. 
Okay, for individual action that people can take in their communities and spread awareness in their schools and workplace and in their job, really reducing the amount of stuff that's uploaded to your personal clouds is important. Things like unsubscribing to newsletters I had JR talk about on this podcast before, deleting old emails, how many of us are guilty of having 10,000 unread emails in like a junk email account so these things are all effective petitioning against data centers being built i think is a big one and i guess end the need for 90 percent of this junk data to be stored in the first place are there any other like actions that you would encourage listeners to take either in their communities or in their workplace that's a good pretty good summary uh and i said earlier but you know really looking after your device and holding on to it and not changing it every uh, couple of years. And then getting into habits of deletion. Like one thing that I try and do is when I go into a folder looking for a file, I'll also look for a file to delete. So I'll, I'll, I'll do a quick <laughs> look around and try and find some, oh, I don't need that any anymore. So getting into habitual processes of every time you create something, delete something else. Not just that you're on this endless process of creation, because essentially what you're doing is creating waste. 20% of electricity in the United States is consumed by devices that are always on but not being used. So really turning stuff off, turning your uh, laptop off, closing it down. At night, if you're in an apartment, turn off your server or sorry, your router. The Wi-Fi. Thing. The Wi-Fi, you could save eight hours of electricity on that if you did that over yeah. a year. If millions of people did that, it would really make a difference. And audio in meetings, uh, what I try and get into habits, uh, just video for the first five minutes, then go to audio. So if, if we did this purely as audio, mm. an hour of this would be about 30 megabytes. If we do it as audio and video, it's about 300 megabytes in the wow. process. So if you go to audio instead of video, you're doing a 90% reduction already in the amount of data that you're actually sending and storing. But of course, if you used an email instead of audio, you're, you're, there's another 90%. So there's scales. Yes. Of, and a lot of times people say, oh, but you need video. I, I do a lot of work with uh, usability testing and I've watched thousands of people. And in a huge number of situations, people do the last thing they want is video. Technical yeah. people in engineering environments, they want a document. They can search through, they can find the exact line. Yes, format. I am an absolute advocate for can this be in an email? Send me an email. Absolutely. There are even, I have so many um, friends that are in like activist groups. And when we have planning meetings, I'm like, this, we, we could have done this over text. It, anything that is uploaded to your website you have a youtube channel or whatever everything should be compressed because quality is exactly the same the size goes way way down way down there's a little story i want to tell you actually jerry because there are some things that i think when data centers are built some of them might do a little bit of greenwashing of you know you we could have like green roof roof and we can recycle our water and harvest rainwater and use that as some of our cooling systems so i'd seen these kind of articles online leading up to the protests and that the the data centers coming into ireland and i work as a tour guide in dublin and i had a group of people from meta and it took me a couple of minutes to get that out of them because the tour like it's a kind of like a comical tour you can absolutely slag people on it right 
so or tease people so they were a bit hesitant to tell me and then I was like oh and what who are what department do you work in is it finance are you in the complaints what do you do and they really didn't want to say eventually they said they're a data center team and I was like oh you got the worst guide you could have got I'm all in the environmental movement so I was like slagging them because obviously they were on the tour so I couldn't actually give them a lecture but I was asking them right so that you guys are obviously pro data centers they're like yeah yeah we need data centers I'm like what are your data centers doing that's good like are you going to have rainwater harvesting systems in place are you going to like turn maybe the flat roofs into like a green gardens and you know not mow the lawn around it like in so much so many of these industrial parks are just surrounded by either concrete or mown grass never wild spaces or forests that they kind of like take care of themselves are, are you going to do any of this and their manager was like geez that's a good idea and someone else said, I never thought of any of doing any of that. And then one of them jokingly said, will you come work for us? And I was like, I was actually so kind of shocked. I was kind of laughing it off. But afterwards, I didn't get there. I, I should have kind of followed up and just sent them an email. Just been like, hey, look, here's a link of things you can do. Not that that would make much of a difference. But to not even be thinking of that kind of stuff. If you're using a million litres of water a day, it doesn't even cross their mind. So this greenwashing is like part of their, just the PR people, but the people even running the data centres don't even know what they're, what the greenwashing attempts are. So yeah, I just, <laughs> I yeah, to yeah, tell you that. it's an interesting story uh, to hear. Not, not a surprise. I mean, there have been good things that have happened in data centers, but not because they wanted to, you know, because, you know, they have to get ahead of the story, uh, so to speak. But yeah. the whole culture, unfortunately, in technology is about, I can waste as much energy as I want. These AI systems that they're building, they, it's all about big, 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 huge processing. They could get the same results with a totally different architecture, which would be uh, much less energy intense, but they couldn't be bothered. Everything is limitless. And particularly when they work for these mega corporations, they never even think of the idea of of energy. Uh, so they've been forced mm -hmm. uh, to change, but it's not because they want to. And as as you say, you know, they, they spin it. They're tiny little things that that they do. It's like Shell and, you know, do you remember the ads 20 years ago? You, whenever you'd see the oil company TV ads, it'd be all this, oh, what we're doing yeah. with the earth and yeah. like everything. That, so it's, it's, it's unfortunately the way they operate in big tech as well. Yeah, so many people in Ireland now work work for big tech. And then I even experienced it working for a supermarket myself, even though supermarkets, they're quite bad for the environment and, you know, farmers and, and everything. Working in there after a while when customers would be like, yeah, but I want a refund, you, you just, you become loyal. The customer becomes your enemy and you're like, no, I'm not giving you a refund, even though it's not your money, you're, you're kind of protecting subconsciously or consciously protecting the store's money because this customer has annoyed you or whatever i've experienced that anyway myself yeah. and then i'm like why do i care this supermarket does not need this money give this person a refund for no reason but people working in tech it's, it's kind of similar like like i've very close friends working in data working in meta it's like defensive they feel triggered because obviously this is their income yeah yeah like no, the same yeah. i mean the part of the reason i'm doing this is i don't need the income as much 
anymore and and uh, like i probably wouldn't be telling you these stories if it was 15 years ago i'd have i'd have yeah. rationalized it and justified it uh, in in the process but i'm not anti-technology. I just think we need less technology. I think we've oversold in the technological space. And it's very hard to see what are the major benefits of technology to society. Did it help really reduce climate change? I mean, the technology industry exploded in the 70s, as did CO2, as did all the negative, as did the decline in water quality. You look at the United States, the center of technology, and you say, is that a society that we should be modeling ourselves on? Did social media make us better? Did it make us healthier? Did it make us happier? I mean, you look at young people in the US with depression and young girls. So you're looking at a lot of the end result of all this technology industry, and it's not good, good for the earth, and it's not good for us as people. So I think the tech industry needs to really stand back and say, well, what good are we? What genuinely good things have we done other than create this massive advertising industry called Facebook and Google to get people to buy, you know, two-ton SUVs when they could use a bicycle for most of, of their transport needs. So, yeah. you know, technology has a role, but it has uh, in many ways created a very negative, over-consuming uh, society. It's been the key driver behind an awful lot of this. Absolutely. On that note, Sherry, we're going. To, I could talk to you for so long. Um, thankfully, you have your own podcast on more kind of data, e-ways, things as well. Is there anything else that you want to talk about, you want to mention or highlight before we start wrapping up? A tiny aside in a way, but it mm-hmm. is related, I was saying earlier, about that electronics have a huge demand on mining. Many Irish people will not be aware that Ireland is the most mining-friendly country in the world and that currently almost one third of Ireland has been sold off to prospectors uh, to mine for all sorts of materials. And it's been sold off under the guise of the, the green transition. But most of the prospecting licenses are for gold, which has nothing to do with critical materials. And I don't think most Irish people are aware of that. Yeah, there's a, there's um litrium for mana, I think. Um, the sperms, yeah. There's a in there's Clare, a lot. Oh. Lo- I mean, one yeah. third of the country. That's what. So so with seven, because as far as I was aware, seventy percent of Ireland's land was used for like agriculture. Now I don't know if that's a republic or the island of Ireland. It's, no, no, you don't control. If you you don't control the land you own, you don't yeah. control the mineral rights underneath it. So right. you may own land, but you've no you've no ownership of what's underneath the land. So basically, the government can sell your land to mining companies. Oh my God! Well, on that bombshell, Jerry, <laughs> I'm going to include some campaigns that I know people have been have been fighting in Ireland to end mining. What? Where can people follow you and find you? And could you want to tell us a little bit more about like your podcast or any other projects you're working on that you want to plug? Yeah, yeah. Just going back to mining for a moment. There's a, a wonderful organisation called Communities Against Mining in Ireland. Came C A I M. So if you want to check this out, check check them uh, out. Mm. 
And my own podcast is called Worldwide Waste. I brought out a book two years ago about these digital related issues. You'll find that at jerrymcgovern.com or if you search for Worldwide Waste. Amazing. And would you encourage people to go either to a library, a secondhand bookshop or a bookshop to get your book as opposed to getting a Kindle? <laughs> Well, see, these are choices as well. This is yeah. if you don't if you don't read a lot, uh, if you read only a couple of books a year, it's better. Physical books are better because the total impact of your, you know, of your e-reader is is quite substantial. But if you do read a lot, digital is probably better. So it depends on how much you read and how long you're keeping your e-reader as well. And one of the things that, that I did as well is that I really I've published uh, about eight books at this stage. And the previous book uh, was about uh, 16 or 20 megabytes in, in weight. I, mm. I had not been aware of the issues, but I was aware of the issues. So I designed my last book, Worldwide Waste, in the simplest possible design way. And it came out at about a, a megabyte and a half instead of it being 20 megabytes. So by making design decisions in all sorts of ways, once you become conscious that everything has a weight, a font has a weight, if you use a bold font, as well as a, a like that that is you've got two weights for those and we can design very consciously and consume much more consciously in in digital but just remember digital is physical what, what an amazing point to end on i love that last exercise of the of the interview if we get in a time machine and transport into the future when things have worked out e-waste is no longer an issue data centers only exist where they need to and store useful data pick one thing it doesn't have to be related to a topic that we've been talking about but just anything at all what's one of your favorite things about this future that when things have worked out that, you know, children would be walking to school or cycling to school. Mm. You can hear you can hear them on the streets, like on that, that laughing and playing on the way to school. Yeah, that's a lovely sight to see in yeah. the morning and the afternoon instead of rush hour traffic. Yeah. That is lovely. Jerry. Yeah. thank you so, so much for your time. I've learned so much. And yeah, I can't wait to get stuck into your book. Thank you so much. Now, I told you that was going to be a powerful one and I'm sorry that we didn't get to get into the mining in Ireland more. It is quite a bombshell. To end the interview on, but what I'm going to do is, if you guys also agree, is in future I will interview someone in Ireland, hopefully from CAME, Communities Against the Injustices of Mining, C-A-I-M, who I've linked in the show notes. So I might get someone from them or Guibara Conservation. There's a couple of different groups that are across Ireland um, a lot in the north and, and the west that have have to have these communities that are against mining because it is actually a huge problem in Ireland and we don't really hear about it that much you know so as I said I've linked everything that Jerry talked about in the show notes a couple of more things that he said after the interview was uh, we used to send 300 or we do send 300 billion letters a year and each one of those is about 30 grams of uh, of CO2 emission equivalent. Now we're sending 300 billion emails a day, each one of those being an average of four grams. So it might sound like, oh, letters are way worse. We're better off sending emails. But that's 300 billion letters a year compared to 300 billion emails a day. So... 
I am one of those people. I won't reply to an email if I don't have to, you know, encourage these kind of practices in your workplace. And um, he gave other suggestions like send a link, not an attachment because you're uploading it and downloading it as opposed to just being in one place on the web. Um, if you have Outlook as an email uh, provider, they have an option where you can default to text. So when you get emails with like loads of fancy images that are really heavy and a couple of a couple of megabytes or even gigabytes sometimes it basically just converts the text to just to what you need to know so I do be clear in my messages constantly you can set your whatsapp or your signal whatever chat you have to delete messages after a certain amount of time in certain groups um so yeah there's things like that that we can take into account and obviously keep the pressure on your local representatives as well and talk to them about this I think a lot of people just don't know um if you enjoy this podcast I do have a patreon account and a buymeacoffee.com account if you would like to financially support it it would be greatly appreciated this is the most expensive time of the year because I started the podcast in April uh, a couple of years ago so now all of my subscriptions renew uh, for Zencaster for the video editing and um, my Canva free subscription has has run out and I love that for making videos so if anyone has any like free trials they can give me for Canva that would be amazing um if you can financially support the podcast that's okay I have social media if you could share or follow on social media that'd be amazing and please also give five stars on Spotify it's really easy take three seconds and on Apple Podcasts you can rate and leave a review as well I'm trying to think was there anything else that I wanted to say to you I like really do have a look at the show notes here because I list everything that we talk about and um, include links to Jerry's website his podcast and the the groups that we mention so this is something really important um that I think yeah we just need to educate ourselves a little bit more on um if there's any suggestions or things that you would like me to cover let me know get in touch and yeah I have a website as well bookofleespodcast.com thank you again to JR for this amazing suggestion and yeah I hope you like it share it around and Jerry is also available to hire like as a consultant so if you work for a company you can consult him and he will tell you how to like make it as light as possible and his website is a lovely kind of example of this as well um but yeah that is it thank you so much for listening and sticking with us to through this episode i hope you enjoy please rate review subscribe share with a friend follow on social media all those lovely things and look after yourself okay i'll talk to you soon bye